0: Doing more faster really comes down to increasing knowledge, leveraging people and rewarding effectively. It, it just really comes down to those three things. You you got to keep increasing what you know and how you apply for yourself and through other people and uh, incentivize properly so that uh, the the incentives and the outcomes are aligned and do it at a faster pace every time. Faster pace every time.
1: CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs, and leaders in general are under more pressure than ever to do more faster. So I was thrilled to have a conversation with someone so well known and respected in our own community who knows a lot about the topic. Shagan Otolana has an impressive track record of building successful businesses. Most recently, he founded Harmony Venture Labs, HBL, a venture studio based in Birmingham, Alabama, focused on B2B SaaS software solutions. They help other founders build great companies, and I encourage you to learn more about Harmony Venture Labs and the businesses that they support. We're including a link in the show notes so you can learn more about the good work being done there. Shagan's journey building a business full-time started when he left his job back in 2011, That led to the founding of Theranest in 2013. Theranest was a SaaS business focused on the mental and behavioral health industry. In 2017, following a recapitalization event, he launched Therapy Brands as a holding company. He exited Therapy Brands in 2021 at a $1.25 billion valuation. Now, that's serious growth. (laughs) Shagan writes a newsletter called Let's Build. He's also an investor and advisor in dozens of companies. Speaking with him was like a condensed masterclass and learning what it really takes to grow a business. He had so much wisdom to share. And of course, we talked a lot about doing more faster, which ultimately has a lot to do with the speed at which you make decisions. He makes important distinctions about decision making. We also talk about talent issues and what it takes to create a great culture in a fast moving environment. Personally, I think one of the keys to his success is his optimism. I love speaking with curious people who have such a positive outlook, who are making a big impact doing work that matters. Enjoy my conversation with shega Natalana. Megan, welcome to CEO on the Go podcast. I'm so glad we can finally have this conversation.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Gio. It's exciting to be here.
1: Yeah, well, I know that there's so much that you can share and you and I talked a little bit beforehand and we arrived on the theme of do more faster. That that might be a topic that's of interest to our listeners and I think I think it is. So, when when we talk about do more faster, what does that mean?
0: Do more faster means um many things i think when i think about it decisions ultimately drive outcomes and and do more faster really just comes down to make decisions quicker Um, you can actually do more than you think you can and uh, how do you push your teams in a healthy way to make decisions faster to act quicker that's really what it comes down to because uh, at the end of the day Speed is pretty important, but at least in my world, it is.
1: Yeah, is there a difference sometimes when, say, the the business owner or the leader is moving faster, you know, trying to get the team to catch up? Sometimes I've seen situations where the team moves faster and they're trying to push the leader. So, what what's been your experience?
0: Yeah, um, I think that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> If the team is the one trying to push the leader, I, I think uh, that, that that may be a problem. Maybe the leader is has checked out or they're not having as much fun anymore. Because I think ultimately the leader sets the tone. And my experience is in the case where the team is the one continually pushing the leader, the best players on the team will probably move on to other things. And that's the danger. Um, so if you have really great people on the team and they're always the ones pushing you, uh, they're always the ones waiting on you to make decisions. And I've been in this situation too for various reasons, for short periods of time. Um, you, you will lose great people because that's not the mode they operate in.
1: Mm-hmm. How do you determine the right pace at which you need to be moving forward?
0: So for me, the, the right pace is the pace that gets results fastest. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. if if um if you think the the right pace is the pace at which you're getting great results and you're not hurting your customers and you're not burning out the team that's the right pace if pace is at the point where there's significant team burnout and and it is the right people you obviously need to rethink how you're doing things how fast you're moving if if the if your pace is just a bunch of broken things left behind with no coherent winning strategy that's probably wrong but but at the end of the day i think you make these decisions uh you know there's this common way of thinking about decisions that uh um, jeff bezos has made very popular but it's it's been around obviously before him but he put it as type one and type two decisions you know and type one decisions are those decisions that uh hard to reverse and sometimes maybe even irreversible and take your time you should see if there are experiments you can do if there is a way to really validate the idea before you really make a great decision can you do it in chunks ultimately how do you reduce your downside risk because at the end of the day what you do not want to happen to you is to be taken out of the game where you make a decision where uh, your downside risk is you go to zero, like it's company killing mistake. If you make a mistake, which is people do all the time, they get money or they raise money and they just bet on one thing and so sure it's gonna win. I tell people all the time, there's a, there's a business graveyard full of founders and CEOs that that their God was telling them this is it, you know, and then they put all their chips on it and well guess what? It's not it. And they bet it in a way where it was irreversible. So in that case, I think uh, the time to really think and deliberate and uh, apply this, uh, like uh, the Navy SEAL folks would say, is uh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Type 1 decision is slow is smooth, smooth is fast type decision. Type 2 is breakneck speed, because it's easily reversible you want to learn very fast most decisions will be type 2 decisions and i think those decisions need to be made very very quickly because what ends up happening is you will probably still make the same number of mistakes no matter how fast you move <laughs> but the only difference is you're 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 making those mistakes quickly and correct course correcting quickly and you'll get to destination faster than all the other people that are so much time so
1: yeah, and people who are in startups, they they understand that um compared to perhaps some other businesses, other types of industries where it's a hard time for people to accept that mistakes are made. So what is the secret to to being so um receptive <laughs> to to making mistakes and learning? Is there some way that what startups are doing can help other organizations learn from them?
0: So, um I'm trying to see how, how, a good way to put this. So I'm thinking as as I'm talking here. How do you apply the, the question? If I understand it correctly, is how do you apply the culture of speed and intensity that you find in a startup environment, especially technology startup environment, to non-tech startup environments? It could
1: be that, yeah, where they they are they're used to making more mistakes and recovering and, and continuing to move on which is natural, right?
0: Yeah. And it's the question here, how does that now apply to, say, family business? Or
1: yeah. Stuff? Like, what is the secret there? Because I think other types of organizations or, you know, industries outside of tech struggle with that.
0: Yeah. I, I think in the the rules probably don't generally apply to every type of industry, but my, my belief is they can probably learn from that and see, which part of our business can we actually start this culture from this culture of move fast and break things but not in a way that gets you to zero i think it applies in every business maybe it may not have to apply to that extent if you're running a restaurant or hospitality business or if you have a gym but then does it apply to how you market the business are you too slow are you taking too little risks is you it- is your rate of uh, iteration too slow in terms of the marketing strategies and experiments that you perform? So I still think there are pockets of the business, no matter what the business is, that you can apply this role to. You can also be very, very happy and content running a business that matches the kind of life you want to live. And that's the pace you want. And there's nothing with that. Like sometimes I envy those types yeah. of
1: businesses. yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. And there's nothing
0: wrong with that. So,
1: yeah. You know. Well, speaking of decisions, I was curious to know, I know you've had to make a few tough decisions. Um, and what, what has been your experience in terms of a, a tough decision that you've had to make, um, how you went about the process and what you learned from it? Is there anything that stands out?
0: Um, so I think I've made tough decisions that, are, that happen to be correct and tough decisions that happen to be wrong. And it's kind of part of the game. Uh, the hardest decisions for me tend to be about people ones that I make that are going to have an impact on a whole bunch of other people beyond just myself. Um, those, those are probably the, the, the hardest decisions, maybe choosing to stop doing something and what that means for the people that are doing those things. Even decisions like, uh, you know, when I chose to, to uh, sell some of my old company to others and what that may mean for my people. Uh, at the end of the day, that's probably where I struggle the most with around the impact of my decision. Will be if it has the 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 potential to have negative impact on other people, even if it is the right decision for the business. You know.
1: Yeah, I see that a lot Ac- across the board.
0: Exactly. So at HVL, you know, we we create and launch new companies, um, but we also shut them down. <laughs> <laughs> and that means something to people when we do that. Um, and those are always very, very tough decisions. I think those are my hardest decisions to make. Uh, second to that would be how those decisions affect uh, my customers. Um, because when you, there, there is an implicit guarantee that you're giving somebody when they choose to work with you. And then sometimes you, for reasons beyond your control, you have to break that agreement, in a sense, because you can't sustain it or it is not the direction you should go in. And how do you manage that? And, and I think those are probably the hardest decisions.
1: For sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of people, what is your secret for hiring the talent that you need, finding the talent that you need, developing them?
0: So this is the hardest thing, especially when you're running a technology company in a in a city uh, mid mid sized city like Birmingham, and um, you are looking for talent. So your 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 view has to become very global, very national in terms of talent acquisition because you will not find all the people you need within a city of less than two million people like Birmingham. So we've always generally thought of uh, talent as a global thing, and we've tried to leverage technology to take advantage of that. There are things we believe are better suited. Uh, to uh, being local if we can, because it helps the broader ecosystem. But you spend a lot of time on this as a leader. You cultivate relationships over time, not knowing when those relationships will become you working with somebody. But my belief is that everything you accomplish, you accomplish through people. So the, the most important part of your work becomes building relationships with the people in the organization and people outside of the organization that are gonna be your leverage point for accomplishing the things you want to accomplish. So uh, talent is a challenge. It will always be a challenge. It's just very difficult. It's a grind work. But in many ways, it's like it's like selling. You build a pipeline, you nurture the pipeline, you, you tap into that pipeline from time to time, you rinse and repeat, it, uh, it's just a cycle. And depending on how important the role is, every role is important, but let's be honest, some roles are more critical to an organization than others. Then my my, my question becomes, can I push decision-making to this person and sleep well at night?
1: It's mm-hmm. a good test.
0: And the way I, I kind of think about that is, one, have they done this before successfully? Um, Because the more important that role is, the more I want to know this person has done it before successfully. Uh, They haven't done it before successfully, but they have the capability to. Then the question becomes, is this somebody that doesn't have an ego problem? They can learn. They're humble enough to know what they know and what they do not know. By the way, that's also true for whether they've done it before or not. That's true. But it is more important if you're leaning into potential that's not tried and then i i have to ask myself this person has what it takes but they may not have done it before so that the velocity of decision making may be slower and i have to help them do i have the bandwidth to help them do i have the capacity to help them Uh, is there somebody i'll be able to help and we'll be able to build knowledge together around this problem so that's a lot of how i think about it Uh, for the lower level roles i think you really just have to think about it like uh like every other acquisition engine in a business where you, you just build a pipeline, you nurture the pipeline, you give people a good reason to take a chance on your organization and come work. Just like you give customers a good reason to take a chance on you and buy from you, <laughs> the same thing with talent. So. The problem is when you don't build the pipeline and then you need it, you think you can just turn it on and things would work, but but it doesn't always come that easy. So
1: Yeah, I see that. Is there any way or process um, that you go through to to gauge who has the capability or to know that people are ready or that they have the potential?
0: Have they done other things well with good momentum? So
1: the evidence, you see the evidence then? I, I
0: think evidence matters in work. And the more the the, the more important what you're trying to accomplish is the more necessary it is for you to see that this this person has accomplished other things before it may not be the exact thing you want to have them do if somebody just does not have a track record of getting things done um, for whatever reason it's you're taking a bigger risk
1: yeah yeah for sure um the topic of culture comes up a lot on other episodes on this podcast. And so I was curious to know your take on that. How how do you develop a culture, especially when things are moving so quickly and changing so much? Is that something that you you do strategically or intentionally? What does that look like?
0: So this is one of those areas where I've probably uh, learned the most. Um, you know, when I was a therapist, which became therapy brand, we had a wonderful fantastic culture right but then we grew very fast and i think the culture started breaking at the seams because we we're bringing all kinds of people from all kinds of places with their own culture, good and bad into the system and probably my biggest lesson from that experience is um, how important ritualizing culture is because that this is where we actually missed it was we had a great culture we had a culture of moving fast, being comfortable with mistakes, um, really leaning into each other, no silos, um, humility in everything we do, customer focus, but we didn't have enough rituals around them. So, if you think about any culture, what sustains culture is rituals and traditions. What is American culture? It is July 4th. What does that mean? We barbecue, we look at fireworks, we sing a lantern what is easter it is you do easter egg hunt there's the easter bunny there is like if you think just culture is about rituals at the end of the day there are these things that happen around certain moments that will force a particular thing that's your culture and the thing is when you're in business you have to create the same scenario and you have to build certain rituals around certain times to maintain that culture. And some of those rituals will be weekly, and some of them may be quarterly, and some of them may be annual. And then when people come into the organization, they know the things you do and why you do them. Obviously, the whys are guided by your your mission and vision and values, right? But when there is not enough ritualization, then people bring in their own process and maybe even start creating their own rituals that they brought in from somewhere else that may not actually support your own value system in a business. So uh, I think it is very easy to talk about culture. It is very easy to assume there is a particular type of culture. But the only way to really enforce and reemphasize culture is through rituals. Um that restate, these are the things we do and this is why we do them, and this is the reward system. The, the thing is, then in the everyday, it becomes what you reward. It, so so the, the flip side of culture, that first side is how do you create and enforce culture, right? So a company, a reporting system, how you, how much you may be uh, transparent to your employees, all that stuff is within those ritual systems, right? what you celebrate is within those ritual systems. But then the other flip side is what you reward on an individual basis. And then if what you reward doesn't match what you're claiming you celebrate in your ritual, you get the best on it. So you celebrate these things, you ritualize them, but then you reward the things you're celebrating. And it's really the through 60, around
1: the cycle of that. Yeah. Well, and that's a great challenge for listeners to be thinking about what are some new rituals that you could create that are aligned with your values and your mission? And what is it that you ultimately want to reward? You know, sometimes that well, often (laughs) that changes over time. So um, that's great insight. I wanted to, to shift gears a little bit, because you had mentioned to me that you have four small children. And so I can't leave our episode without asking: How do you you manage that balance of you know being a dad and focus on family and running the business? It is
0: hard, uh, but it starts with a wonderful partner. Uh, so I, I think this is at the pace with the volume of things that i do i you know i have a venture studio i run a company the venture studios have companies i advise founders and on and on and on it has to be a partnership and uh, my wife is a big part of that partnership Uh, she's pretty in tune with what is happening in my life on the team side again they know what is most important so for my for my team and my partners everybody kind of knows the big rock is the family biggest of the big rocks and then everything else kind of feels around it so it is not a surprise to somebody that knows me well if we have something very important and i'm like i'm sorry we just have to move it we have to find a different time because x is happening and when you do that over and over people get it right and so, so that's one so you have a partner but the beauty of partnerships is there's also times when that partner looks at you and says, this is worth it. Go get it done. I got it.
1: Yeah, you have permission to go. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. So that, that, that partnership is very, very important. And I couldn't be more proud of Mary and how smart she's kind of managed that part of our lives. And then there's energy preservation, you know, because these things take a ton of energy family takes a lot of energy, being an entrepreneur takes a lot of energy. So it becomes, how do you kind of replenish again? This is where the partnership comes in. You know, I take retreats, which my wife always pushes for, and she makes me take it because she feels like I come back rejuvenated. So it is one, making sure you're pretty clear on the most important things. And yes, you may have to work. 60 hours a week and some weeks and 80 hours and some, but it's not the norm, it's the exception. And um, you put the big, and then you find points of leverage, right? And the points of leverage are typically, what can I do through other people that I don't have to do? Because there's only 24 hours in the day. And in picking points of leverage, you also have to pick what you don't do. Uh, You have to pick uh, what's level one, two, three, four, and how much time am I going to start giving to things on level four, five, six? You know, does not mean those things are not important. It just means the the the, the frequency of how they happen is much lesser. So I am not somebody who spent a lot of time hanging out with my college friends. Now, we, are, we we could be in WhatsApp groups together. We could chat from time to time. We can let each other know we're there for each other and still in each other's lives. But my evenings are not going to be spent hanging out at the bar talking because there's other things that have to be done. Yeah,
1: you're clear on your priorities.
0: Exactly. So I think at the end of the day, it starts with a great partnership. I know not everybody has that kind of partnership in their lives. So I'm not saying this is not possible without having one. I'm just telling you what makes it easy in my case. And uh, if you don't have that kind of partnership in your life, you have to still find other points of leverage, that, that, which would probably still be other people. It may be people on your team. It may be how you kind of design your life. Uh may mean buying back time through people. Um, and you just have to be very deliberate about it. And have fun. There's no point in this without fun.
1: Yes, have fun. Yes, I agree. Um, so as we wrap up, I wanted to just get a sense from you of what's what are you most looking forward to going forward. I know that before we talked about the optimism that you have, I'd love to know where that comes from too. But what are you most optimistic about or looking forward to going forward?
0: Uh, so I'm generally optimistic about life. That I have this, I have a positive view uh, to to life.
1: I think that helps everything, doesn't it?
0: Yes. But the things I'm really optimistic about on the personal front is just honestly just watching my kids grow up and them take on different stages of life. That's very exciting. It's always exciting. It's unbelievably terrifying sometimes because oh, this! I have three daughters. uh, We have four kids, includes three daughters, and uh, man. (laughs) Oh my goodness! (laughs) It is.
1: (laughs) You're in for a wild ride. <laughs> I
0: know, so that's exciting. And then, you know, on the work front, some of the things I'm very excited about, we launched a drink. It's called Las Gidi. It's a beverage, a carbonated beverage um, that's sprung out of an idea. Uh, out of a drink I drank growing up. And I have a partner, um, Olu. He's from Nigeria. He was born here. He grew up here that came to me with that idea. And we've turned it to this company. We've launched. Um, so drinklasgidi.com. And it's doing well. And then our other companies within the studio, like Listed Kid, and just all the work within the studio. And then ultimately, I'm very excited about what's happening in the world of AI with what I'm doing at Copysmith, Copywriter, and just looking at how our customers are looking at using the software and working with these very large e-commerce businesses or large marketers and marketing teams, and even a lot of small businesses, you know. At at made across our products, we serve millions of people. And it is just crazy to see that many people adopting new technology in such a short period of time all over the world. Very exciting to be serving that many people with a new technology that's changing so fast.
1: I was going to say, I don't know of much that's changing faster than that at the moment. It's I so know. exciting.
0: So, so that's that's pretty cool. You know, we have Rider, we have... Uh, and then we have Copper as our three products within the 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 family and all the things happening there, both the good and the bad, <laughs> popping out of where and all and all that is pretty exciting to be part of. And uh, the company is growing very fast, uh, and and that's that's really exciting. So yeah,
1: good. Well, I'm so glad that we could spend a few minutes today, and um, thank you so much for for being such an inspiration in more ways than one in our community and in business and modeling for other entrepreneurs what's possible. Um, what is the best way for people to reach out to you or learn more about the business?
0: Yeah, um, so many many channels. I'm not even there is. Sh- there is shagunotulana.com so there is the website shagunotulana.com but there is also twitter at sotulana uh you can go to harmonyventurelabs.com which is the studio um i'm on linkedin and any of those channels are perfectly fine
1: okay fantastic any final tip or words of wisdom that you want to sign off on before we wrap up about doing more faster or anything else
0: yeah doing more faster really comes down to increasing knowledge leveraging people and rewarding Effectively, it, it just really comes down to those three things. You you got to keep increasing what you know and how you apply it for yourself and through other people, and uh, incentivize properly so that the the incentives and the outcomes are aligned, and do it at a faster pace every time. Faster pace every time, and that's that's what it comes down to.
1: Okay, perfect. Well, Shagan, again, thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to seeing where you go from here.
0: Thanks, Gil. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate
1: it. Yeah. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week doing more faster and doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.